This is ESPN Radio. Amber Wilson, Ian Fitzsimmons with you here on ESPN Radio. You can also watch us on ESPNU and ESPN2. ESPN Radio presented to you by Progressive Insurance. The Pac-12 is down to... What, I think the Pac-4, the Big 12 is what, the Big 16? I can't even keep it all straight, and it's changing so fast. So we've got Arizona State and Utah now joining the Big 12. We've got Oregon and Washington now joining the Big 10. The Pac-12 has completely crumbled at this point, Ian, and it doesn't feel like we're done with this story about conference realignment, even though it has changed so dramatically in the 72 hours since you and I were on together last week. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Stanford and Cal ended up bolting to go somewhere else. Right mm-hmm. now, there's the big hubbub is that the Pac-4 and the Mountain West may merge. Who, who knows? You know, it, Florida State, we know, is unhappy in the ACC. Behind the scenes, Clemson is unhappy in the ACC because of their media rights distribution, and they want a bigger cut of the pie because they believe they bring more eyeballs to TV sets, which they do. I mean, Wake is not bringing nearly as many people to your TV to boost ratings and watch all the sponsors as, as Clemson. It's, it's just a fact. So to your point, I mean, look, the music's still playing. you know, And we're going to see who ends up with, with a seat and, and who doesn't, but in the moment, I mean, it's sad. I'm I, like I'm a I'm a college athletic traditionalist, and especially when it comes to college football. And you've got now the conference of champions, all those titles, and and all in basketball and women's hoop and and football, all just now it's just part of a a footnote in the history of the game because the Pac-12 is gone. And this all began with Larry Scott when he was hired coming over from the WTA to be the commissioner of the Pac-12, he stupidly put the, the championship game in San Francisco, in a city that does not care about college football. He put his home offices with astronomical rent in San Francisco, paid himself for a ridiculous salary, took a $3 million bonus, and then a couple of days later had to lay off, what, like 30, 40 employees. I mean, he, the Pac-12 network was epic failure that was done by Larry Scott. 75% of the Pac-12 now being gone is on Larry Scott. The other 25% I do put on George Klyovkov because he had two years to try and fix this. And Bob Bowlesby, former Big 12 commissioner, was the AD at Stanford, the AD at Iowa. He has a unique perspective when it comes from, to the Big 10, the Pac-12, and the Big 12. Uh, I mean, he saved the Big 12 not once but twice. Twice. And he'll join us at the bottom half of the hour. Klyovkov couldn't do it at all, and he had two years to do it. So it's sad in the moment, uh, but again, I mentioned this on Friday. I mentioned it earlier today, and it's a fact. When all the dust settles and we know what the landscape looks like, whether that's next year or three years from now, we will get used to it. We've gotten used to Penn State being in the Big Ten, A&M being in the SEC. We'll get used to USC, UCLA, Oregon, Washington State being in the Big Ten. We'll get used to the new Big 12 Why? Because we are not just passionate about the game of college football. College football fans are obsessed with it. So once all the dust settles, we'll get used to it. But in the moment, it stinks. In the moment, it absolutely does stink if you are a Pac-12 fan. A lot of people there blaming Scott. He took over as leader of the Pac-12 back in 2009. That might have started this timeline into where we are now in 2023. I would go back even further than that, Ian. 
Because to me, this isn't just about the failure of Pac-12 leadership. To me, this is about the failure of NCAA leadership. But it's something that we have spoken about time and time and time again. None of this happens, in my opinion, if you have a very strong NCAA. If you have an NCAA that is actually acting as a commissioner, so to speak, for the landscape of college football. And the NCAA has gotten weaker and weaker and weaker and weaker at every turn. A lot of that has been a failure in their leadership. A lot of that has been the NCAA being behind the mark in terms of the changing times. You could even go all the way back to, I think it was 1984, when the Supreme Court ruled against the NCAA, finding that at the time, the NCAA versus the Board of Regents of the University of Oklahoma, that was the case in the mid-80s, that at the time said that the NCAA can't have this television rights deal, right? That the NCAA controlling all the TV rights for college sports violates antitrust laws. And it was at that time that then the onus gets put on the schools and the conferences to get their own television rights deals in place. That was sort of the beginning of the end. Because if you weren't going to be able to have an NCAA that can control the money and the money, what ends up being so many decades later, is all about television and media rights. If the NCAA can't control that money and it's up to the individual conferences and individual schools to control that money, you are going to have a mess in terms of conference realignment. And that's exactly where we are at 2023. Yeah, the NCAA does not control the college football playoff. They have nothing to do with it. Nothing. So when you think about that, like, I, but it's even bigger than just realignment. Like NIL and the portal are also a big part of this. You know, and Mark Emmert, uh, the former president of the NCAA, I call him direct deposit because that's all he cared about was his, you know, two million plus direct deposit. He didn't care about the student athletes. He didn't care about the, the state of the game. Like when he uh, okayed NIL on the portal, he didn't put any guardrails on. He says, you want it? I right, go ahead, do it, do it. Whatever you want to do, go ahead. Didn't care. He, he, well, he could not have cared less about the, what is best for the game. And I'm talking about not just football, but collegiate athletics. And that's why right now, and you brought this up earlier in the show, and, and I agree, you know, it, it, years ago, I'm talking five, ten years ago, college football needed a commissioner mm-hmm. to keep everything that we're seeing right now from happening. And they are right now more desperate for an overall czar, commissioner, whatever you want to call it, to take over the reins and actually have some guidance when it comes to the future of not just college football, but collegiate athletics. It should happen. It's, it, it should have happened a long time ago. The game needs a Roger Goodell, a, a, you know, an Adam Silver, uh, you know, a Manfred, someone to actually have some kind of direction. And there isn't any right now. It's a rudderless ship, and, and every conference is doing whatever they believe is best for them, not for what's best for the game. And I don't blame them because they have to take care of their own backyards. It was Everett in the NCAA that was supposed to be that commissioner, right? But he was so f- behind the mark when it came to NIL and when it came to the transfer portal. There was such a lack of acknowledgement of where things were going to go. And essentially the legalization of NIL and how it's changed the entire landscape, it's ridiculous that the NCAA didn't see that coming. And instead of working with it, they worked against it for so many years, fought against it for so many years in court, wasted money, wasted resources, and lost all their power. 
power because of it. And now you have conferences that are acting as commissioners because there is no unifying body there at the top. Eventually, maybe that problem corrects itself because maybe we only have a power two at the end of the day, right? Or a power three, and maybe those guys end up working together or those gals end up working together. But it is certainly a changing landscape rapidly. And right now, it is the wild, wild west still in terms of name, image, and likeness. In terms of the transfer portal, most people would consider that a bit of a wild, wild west as well. And also, it now feels like the wild, wild west in terms of conference realignment. Amber Wilson, Ian Fitzsimmons with you. You can find him on social at Ian Fitz ESPN. You can find me as well at Amber W Sports. You can also give us a call. That is a good way to join the conversation. Triple A, say ESPN. What are your thoughts here on all of this conference realignment talk? Triple A, say ESPN. That is, we are going to get to your phone calls. I apologize. I thought I had phone calls to get to immediately, Nuno. Instead, let's get to the words of Anna Marie Couchy. She is the president of the University of Washington. The Washington is now moving on to the Big Ten. She calls this a very bittersweet moment. I appreciate the fact that this is a bittersweet moment. The UW was a founding member of the Pac-12, And so even as we're excited about this move to the Big Ten, and we really are excited, we recognize that for many, including me, it is a bittersweet moment. It is for all of us. I mean, go back to when you remember Warren Moon playing quarterback for the Washington Huskies. You know, all those remarkable games. And, and, you know, on the basketball court, I mean, John Wooden, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Bill Walton, that's all Pac-12 lore. Now that's just going to be in some record book. Because the Pac-12 is done. So it's even beyond bittersweet. In the moment right now, it's like vinegar on your football palate or your basketball palate. I mean, it's just it, it tastes awful. But again, I can't emphasize this enough. And Reese Davis brought this up when he joined us on Friday, Amber. He thinks that we'll get used to this sooner than most people think. And whether it, it takes you know six months, a year, whatever it may be, but we, we, we will become acclimated to it. We will get used to it. Because college fans are obsessed with their teams. They're not just passionate about their teams. But in the moment, I'll even go one step further. It's worse than bittersweet. It stinks. I mean, a lot of people are out of jobs, too. People, a lot of folks forget about that. A lot of people are going to lose their gigs, you know, because the Pac-12 is no longer. So there's, there's a big domino effect when things like this happen. And right now you have people turning in resumes, man, and getting on LinkedIn or whatever it may be. Because big boy college football struck again, and it's all about the almighty dollar. Oregon and Washington followed the money. The corner schools, Utah, Arizona State, Arizona, Colorado, followed the money because Larry Scott and then George Klyovkov couldn't deliver anywhere close to the amount of money it kept to keep all those, all those schools intact and staying with the Pac-12. The Pac-12 did end up they did end up presenting a media rights deal to the commissioners and the chancellors as part of the PAC 12. I believe it was an Apple deal. It was mostly streaming. The problem for me wasn't the streaming component of this, even though people keep saying that I vehemently disagree because I think streaming is the direction that everybody will be going in terms of live sporting events. The problem is the money. It was $20 million per year. And so it doesn't matter what medium or how it was delivered. That's the thing is if you if you just tell somebody, hey, you can have $50 million per year for your program or $20 million per year for your program, there ain't a person who is going to take the 20. That's be terrible, terrible business. And that's the situation that all these university 
presidents and chancellors found themselves in. So yes, it is absolutely about chasing the dollar. And by the way, it is about chasing the dollar in college football because this is about college football. This is about nothing else. And unfortunately, all of those other student athletes that play all of these other sports and all of the people who also coach all of those other sports that are involved in all of those other sports as trainers and everything else, they're kind of getting dragged along for the ride. And that ride is going to consist of traveling across the country when it probably doesn't make any semblance of sense for your schedule. So a lot of impacts here all across college sports, even though it is it is football that we always talk about when we talk about conference realignment, because that's the sport that makes the money. Coming up next, we get to your calls. 888-SAY-ESPN. Plus, two prominent head coaches ask one of the more important questions. What about the athletes that play other sports? We'll get into that conversation next as well. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is ESPN Radio. So it feels like everyone is on the move in college football and the numbers attached to these conferences like the Big Ten and the Big 12, they mean absolutely nothing and the Pac-12 at this point. So lots and lots of changes. We are asking for your phone calls. You can chime into the conversation on conference realignment. 888-SAY-ESPN. That is where we find Barney calling us from Michigan. Hey, Barney, go ahead. Yeah, I want to know when when the presidents of the universities are going to get involved because – these athletic departments, they spend every dime that they take in. They're not a profit center for the university. And, like, for example, the Michi- University of Michigan athletic budget is $180 million, and they spend every dime of it. But the university budget is $9 billion. And they, so the athletic department is 5% of the budget. And I just don't understand why these presidents and chancellors can't recognize that all this greed is going to ruin the game in 10 years from now. Obviously, we'll still have the game, but it'll, it'll be a, shame, a shamble. So the university presidents and chancellors are involved. Like that's who's actually making these decisions because the ADs work for them, right? I mean, that's my understanding, Ian, is that these these decisions about conference realignment are being made ultimately by the university president and or chancellor and that he or she in making that decision is looking at the dollars and that caller's right. Like we act like the athletic department is the only thing making money at these universities. Of course it's not. You obviously have tuition. You have all sorts of stuff that goes into the budgets of these academic sides of universities as well. But 
athletic departments are huge money makers. And in, in some schools, like you had referenced Bama there before, like some schools, the entire thing is somewhat being fun. Some of those academic buildings are actually being paid for yeah, by from, from essentially football revenue. So a university president, if you're especially at one of those schools, is going to be incredibly concerned about who's making what money where. But ultimately, when you're talking about money, even if they spend every dollar of it on their actual athletic department, if every dollar of it is $50 million per year versus $20 million per year, you could understand why these Pac-12 schools are fleeing. You're spot on, Amber. The presidents and chancellors are the ones making the final call. Mm-hmm. The athletic directors are recommending it. But the, the final decision goes to the president or chancellor and the board of regents. So, Barney, I mean, sorry, that- they are involved. And then a lot of schools, because if your football team is successful, your endowment skyrockets. Mm-hmm. Look at Texas A&M when Johnny Manziel won the Heisman. Look at the endowment and the donations that came in after that season. Look at what Nick Saban has done in Tuscaloosa. Since he's been there, that has gone from a town to a city. I mean, he's building new history departments and English buildings. I mean, teachers, you know, are making more money. Why? Because of football. He's literally transformed a town into a city. And the one thing that's done that is football. And that's why we're seeing all of this realignment, uh, because the almighty dollar drives it. And if you can make $50 million compared to $20 million if you're Oregon and Washington, what are you going to do? That's like making twenty grand right now and you're in sales. And another company calls you saying, you know what? You'll make fifty with me. Well, what the hell are you going to do? You may love your job. You may love the people you work with. You may love the, the, the foundation you've laid there. But if somebody's going to more than double your salary, you're gone. Even if you enjoy where you are immensely, you're still hitting the door. Money talks, and especially when you are tasked with funding everything that these athletic departments and universities are tasked with funding, right? It's budgeting at the end of the day. It's like running any other type of company, and there's things to pay for. It's the future of your entire program. It's the future of your facilities and everything else. To be clear, when we're talking about Bama, and we're talking about football funding Bama, it's not like football pays for the medical school necessarily, right? It's that it's all affected by the brand of football and the winning of football. So Nick Saban, he does all the winning there in Alabama. There's a lot of kids growing up that are seeing that, that now want to go to the university of Alabama. So just from that perspective, right? Then the academia goes up because of all the competition and academics. Cause now it's harder to get into the university of Alabama because more people are applying to the university of Alabama, right? Tuition is going up because of that same effect. And all of the growth around the university as well, more bars, more restaurants, more of everything around it, because you have a winning program that everybody's coming to town to watch. And when you have all of that, more people, even more people who maybe don't care about football, but they care about those sorts of things. What does Tuscaloosa offer me as a student here, even if I'm not here for the football in any way? In effect, you are, right? So it affects every single component of these universities from a financial perspective. That is why these university presidents and chancellors care so much. It's not necessarily that they themselves are huge football fans, and that's why they give a darn. It's because it is all, at the end of the day, about money in the entire economy 
surrounding your university. And all of that is affected by your program and ultimately by television rights, because that is what funds the future of your program and allows you to have a coaching staff that looks like Nick Saban's in Tuscaloosa. Amber Wilson, Ian Fitzsimmons here with you on ESPN Radio. You can also watch us on ESPNU. Gene is calling us from North Carolina. Go ahead, Gene. Thanks for the call. Gene. Hi, so I'm a Rutgers graduate, and you talk about winning programs, but Rutgers has lost between $600 and $800 million since they joined the Big Ten. They will not get out of debt for 25 years because they don't get a full share until 2027. So it's winning football programs are getting all of this. Not everyone. Clearly, college football needs to be separated from all the other sports, because I'm pretty sure the softball players at Rutgers don't want to travel to Washington for a softball game. And in two years from now, that's what's going to happen. Separate everything. College football should be separate. There should be a czar. They should have their own programs, everything, and allow all of the other sports, including college basketball, to be separate. Rutgers could be playing teams in the Big East. They could be playing teams in the ACC and all other sports except football, although I have opinions about that that, no one else agrees with. Have a good day, folks. So I, I don't know about the specifics of what that caller is referencing, because from what I'm reading, records is project, projected a $59 million distribution from the Big Ten just for this 2023-2024 season. Uh, they uh, obviously the Big Ten has, you know, secured a, a multi-billion dollar deal there. And when you're talking about the distributions to these schools, we have seen in the past, Ian, where what you can do is a tiered distribution. And maybe that ends up being the answer in a conference like the ACC, who's now going to be looking at this situation with the Pac-12 and thinking, how can we survive this thing? Is there a means for us to renegotiate either within the conference in terms of the percentage share that everybody is getting from that deal that the ACC is locked into with us here at ESPN until 2036? So the programs like FSU would get more because they're the bigger brand, or of course you could try to renegotiate the deal itself if ESPN had any reason to do that. But the point is that we have seen that the varying percentages within these conferences in terms of the TV rights deals. And yes, that is one of the things that can happen when it comes to television rights. And you can understand why the bigger schools would feel like they should get a bigger slice of the pie. We're not seeing that all across realignment, by the way. Like that is not at all the case in the SEC. Vanderbilt gets the same amount that Bama Bama. gets. Yep, absolutely. Same as Georgia, Vandy gets the exact same cut. And to your point with the ACC and Florida State and Clemson, Texas and Oklahoma used to get a bigger cut in the Big 12. Mm-hmm. when Daddy the Lost Dodds was the athletic director at Texas and, and the great joke of Stiglione is still obviously at Oklahoma, but they got a bigger cut of the pie, and that leads to animosity behind the scenes. So if that is the way the ACC goes, and a Florida State or a Clemson and a Clemson, right. maybe even a UNC, however they do it, if they end up getting a bigger, uh, bigger slice of that pie, I can promise you that is the beginning of the end because all that does is build animosity behind the scenes and, and things start to get heated. Yeah, that was under the former media rights deal, and that certainly did lead to a lot of discontent within the conference. Coming up next here on ESPNU and ESPN Radio, keep your calls coming. But next, a former Power 5 commissioner is going to join us to share his feelings about college realignment. This is ESPN Radio. So college sports is crazy. 
And at this point, crazy to keep track of as well. Ian Fitzsimmons, Amber Wilson hanging out with you. The Big 12, Ian, is now the Big 16, thanks in part to Arizona State in Utah joining that conference. You've got the Big 10 adding Oregon and Washington. You and I were on air on Friday together on this same show. Arizona at that point had just been added. The Pac-12 was crumbling. And then now a weekend has happened and the Pac-12 feels like it's no more. It's done. I mean, and I hate it. It's sad in the moment, but but that, that's the way it goes. And uh, the former Big 12 commissioner, Bob Bowlesby, former athletic director at Iowa, athletic director at Stanford. He has a unique perspective on the Big 10, Pac-12, and uh, the Big 12 joins us now here on ESPN2 and ESPN Radio. And, Commissioner, thank you so much for your time, especially on family vacation. How, how did we get to this point? It's demon time on Prize Picks, where you can now win up to 100 times your money. That's right, 100 times your money. With as little as four correct picks, you can turn $10 into $1,000. Demons and Goblins are the newest and most exciting way to play at Prize Picks. Squares marked with red demons or green goblins get you different payouts. And as always, Prize Picks is really simple to play. You can make your picks and submit your entry in less than 60 seconds. They even offer injury insurance so that your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. Quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and an enormous selection of players and stats types are what make prize picks the number one daily fantasy sports app go to prizepicks.com morning and use code morning for a first deposit match up to 100 that's prizepicks.com morning code morning for a first deposit match up to 100 prize picks pick more pick less it's that easy Support for this podcast and the following message comes from Wise, the account that helps you manage your money all around the world. Dining in dollars, doing business and bought, wherever life takes you, the Wise account helps you send, spend, and receive in different currencies fast. Wise is the easy way to connect all of your finances internationally. Buying that dream property in Portugal? Done. Freelancing in France? No problem. Sending money back to mom? Simple. All without hidden fees or exchange rate markups. Minimum fees, maximum ease, full speed. Join 16 million customers and learn how the Wise account could work for you by downloading the app or visiting wise.com slash unsportsmanlike. Well, the, the answer is we didn't, we didn't get here quickly. This has been unfolding over a long period of time. Um, it, it actually uh, goes back uh, to, the, to the Big East and in its, uh, in its first configuration and uh, some of the Big East schools migrating to the ACC um, subsequently, uh, Rutgers and Maryland uh, left the ACC and went to the Big Ten for for largely television subscription related reasons. Um, and then the cascading effect has uh, has continued since then. Uh, you know, I think the only sense you can make is that maybe the everyone in the business is numerically challenged because the the Big Ten has a lot more than ten, and the Big Twelve has uh, sixteen. So we're uh, we none of us count very well but uh uh that notwithstanding uh it's just a uh you used to use the word sad and i i think it is sad i the uh the sports ecosystem uh the collegiate sports ecosystem is is much better and much stronger with the pac-12 in it and um you know the, the time will tell history is a great judge of of whether these will be good decisions or not uh you know the uh uh, only 12 years ago, 
uh, Larry Scott was, uh, was believed to be a savant in terms of, uh, putting together the largest TV package in the history of college sports. And, uh, and now I think he's, uh, he's getting blamed for some things that really weren't his problem, but, uh, um, the demise of the Pac-12 is a is a sad thing, even though um, others are benefiting from it. Former Big 12 Commissioner Bob Bowlesley joining us here. So, Bob, you mentioned it there. Larry Scott getting a lot of the blame, the former commissioner of the Pac-12. He had taken over that conference back in 2009. You said some of that certainly maybe uh, not his fault. Uh, it, what 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 would you say about that? I mean, what should be blamed for the leadership, not just his leadership, but the leadership of the PAC 12 generally, and what was maybe outside their control? Well, I think the, um, the PAC 12 network was never as successful as, uh, as it was envisioned to be. I was at Stanford at the time it was started and, um, the decision not to take a network partner in, um, was made, um, in a thoughtful way. And uh, it was believed that that we could grow the network, and uh, and uh, indeed it it didn't grow. In fact, it uh, it retracted a bit. And um, I, I think there was always the intention to take in a a media company partner. But um, um, you know, one thing led to another. It uh, it looked like a prescient decision at the time. But uh, and and by the way, it wasn't. Uh, commissioners don't make those decisions by themselves. There were. There were athletic directors involved. There were presidents involved, and and those things. Uh, commissioners are given a lot more credit and blame than they deserve because we all work for a board of directors, and uh, it's it's really those boards that make those decisions, and uh, the commissioners are there to advise them. Uh, they do have a fair amount of authority, and they do have a fair amount of of influence, but. Um, ultimately, it's the boards of these organizations that are making these decisions. Rick Pitino said that he believes every other sport besides football should be under one umbrella and football should separate. You've been around college athletics your entire life. What do you think? Well, you know, there's always a lot of talk about there being a czar of college football. And uh, my experience over four decades is that um, university presidents and athletic directors are not going to cede the authority uh, for their biggest money-making sport uh, to any one person. Um, there is always going to be a board of directors. Uh, you know, in, in the end, um, Roger Goodell, Adam Silver, uh, they, they work for the owners. Um, and uh, so anybody that's a um, you could think of them as the czars of the NBA or the NFL, but uh, they they really uh, work for the owners and the commissioners in the collegiate space are the same way. And so um, you know you can you can split off football if you like, but federal law, uh, Title IX law, is not going to allow you to operate it as a separate financial entity. So uh, from an institutional perspective, you're still going to have to manage uh, whatever sports you offer on an equitable basis. And you're still going to have to um, have some elements of an organization uh, at the national level that oversees rules and oversees uh, the, the various aspects of how competition is conducted. And so, you know, it, it's uh, it, it makes us an easy argument to say 
yeah, let's split off football and perhaps men that then we split off men's basketball. You you could offer an opportunity to have a structure like uh, what the USOPC has. They have an overarching umbrella, and then they have a series of national governing bodies that actually run the sports. You could have a, a national governing body in football and, and in any other sports you wanted to have. Um, and in some ways, those kinds of things make sense. From an institutional standpoint, it's very difficult because you end up with a, a different set of rules in each sport, and you end up with uh, affiliations with a whole bunch of organizations, a whole bunch of national governing bodies, if you will. And, uh, and so, you know, those, uh, for me, those ca- fall into the category of easy answers to hard questions. Bob Bowlesby, former Big 12 commissioner, joining Ian Fitzsimmons and Amber Wilson here on ESPN Radio and ESPNU. Bob, you called it sad, uh, sad for college football overall, though. And let's assume that football doesn't split off. Let's assume that it's just the realignment that we're seeing right now in real time. Do you think ultimately it's bad for college football? Well, I think as as you aggregate more of the resources in fewer and fewer organizations, I, I think um, the, you know the SEC and the Big Ten are likely to separate themselves from um, from the, the field, and to some extent, they've done that that already by uh, particularly the SEC by competition. I mean, they've uh, they they've been dominant in college football. That isn't to say. Nobody ever beats them. I, the Big 12, as an example, I think has a winning record against the SEC over the last 10 years in the bowl games. But it, it you know, that uh, you can spin those things in a lot of different ways. But you can't argue with the fact that most of the national championships have have uh, resided in the Southeast Conference. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I, I think. Um, what happens is you end up with a lot of money in one location and uh, or two locations or three locations, and uh, the, the coaches get paid uh, ex- exorbitant amounts. Uh, the staffs get paid uh, more than they have in the past. I, I think there's an investment in facilities uh, at, at some places that others can't undertake. And so, you know, all of a sudden you end up rendering uh, – previously successful programs uh, to be unsuccessful. And, you know, I think that's one of the things that has been overlooked in, in this. As these organizations get larger, you lose a lot of the traditions that uh, you have had before. Uh, as an example, if you have, you have 18 uh, members in a, in a league, you're going to have uh, at least nine no plays in football. Uh, you're going to have maybe a single round robin in basketball. Uh, if you have a double round robin by divisions, you're you're gonna you know have a lot of people you go years without playing, and uh, and that I think uh, goes right to the heart of of uh, in stadium attendance and the traditional types of things that um, we love about college sports. You know, we know we're always going to play our our rival every year, and it's possible to orchestrate. Uh, traditional rivals where, where a certain group of schools play each other uh, all the time and going to play every year in virtually every sport. But the more you do that, the more you also create uh, long periods of time where uh, you don't uh, play each other. And uh, when, when I was in the Big Ten, 
Um, we had 11 members. We decided that we were going to play an eight-game schedule, and Iowa won the uh, uh, tied for the the uh, Big Ten championship in 2002, and we didn't play Michigan or Ohio State. Well, you know, the, it's it's hard uh, to uh, to state that you're the Big Ten champion despite being undefeated in the league uh, when you when you don't play the two traditional powers. Uh, in the conference. And so there are going to be lots of rivalries that fall by the wayside and, and are inactive for periods of time. Uh, there are also going to be, um, uh, you know, traditions that, that just are, are no longer there. Uh, some of them conference traditions, some of them non-conference traditions. And so ultimately, I think that affects who goes to the stadium and how often they go there. And I think, uh, you know, we're, we're migrating to a, uh, um, you know the the NFL uh, is as an example has has built smaller stadiums and with uh, larger amounts of uh, of upscale amenities uh, and it and part of that is a recognition that it's it's largely a sport that's consumed uh, on television and uh, in the college in the case of college uh, there are hundreds of games every every weekend that are attended on a live basis by, by alumni and others that uh, support those programs. And so, you know, I, I think the aggregation of resources into uh, fewer and fewer uh, pockets uh, ultimately will have a negative effect on, on the, how robust college football is. Bob Bowlesby, former Big 12 commissioner. Thanks, Bob, so much for your time. Great to be with you. Take go, care. go cook breakfast for those Bowlesby's on family vacation. <laughs> thank you, Commissioner. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for, for uh, certainly taking time out of your vacation to talk about this. I don't know if his last answer was what I wanted to hear as a college football fan, uh, but it's the reality of the world that we're living in. So coming up next with Amber Wilson and Ian Fitzsimmons, we're going to react to what you just heard from the former Big 12 commissioner. Plus, get back to your phone calls on conference realignment. 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Reggie White, who's a defensive end for the Green Bay Packers, says that the firebombing of his church in Knoxville, Tennessee this week was the work of racists who may have been trying to hurt him. First there was one fire, then there was another, then there was another. It wasn't just Reggie's church that burnt down. Hundreds of churches burned in the 90s. I think we have a major problem in our country that we don't want to admit, and that has to do with racism. Was this 1996 or 1956? 30 for 30 podcast and Antsgate presents Through the Flames. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. Death is the only punishment here. Now streaming, FX's Shogun. My master asks, what do you seek here? To vanquish our common enemies. Based on the global bestseller by James Clavell. War is coming. The epic saga of war, passion, and power. Let it come. FX's Shogun. Now streaming on Hulu. This is ESPN Radio. Ian, you've known Bob for quite some time. What did you think was most interesting about what he just said as it regards conference realignment and everything that we're seeing right now in college sports? Anybody that's talking about football separating from basketball and the Olympic sports, stop. Right. He cleaned that up early, right? I think that was like, like, probably our second question because uh, Rick Pitino floated it out there and he said, you know, Financially and legally with Title IX, you can't do it right now. So that was number one. 
And number two, just his passion. He wants what's best for the game. I mean, not just football, but collegiate athletics. And right now, what is happening with everyone gobbling each other up, uh, it's, it's, it's not good for the game. It's not good for the game that the Pac-12 is gone, that it's no longer. That, and, and anybody who says this is about, you know, well, we always have the, 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 the thoughts of the student-athletes involved. Well, stop calling them student-athletes. They're, they're athletic students, and that's number one. Number two, having all of these basketball players and baseball and, and softball and track fly across the country nonstop with classes to go to, and I know you've got online options as well, but that is not going to be easy, and that is not going to be very palatable. You know, to the point where Nicole Arbach, and I don't know if you read her article on The Athletic, she detailed how they are already in discussions in the Big Ten where USC's, let's say, baseball team would fly with UCLA's track team to go play Northwestern in Illinois on the same flight. And their, their, their departing flight back to L.A. would be, uh, you know, after whomever plays Northwestern last because now you're in Chicago and you get to the airport faster. Those are the kinds of obstacles and the things they're talking about right now behind the scenes to try and figure out how to logistically do all of this stuff. But, you know, Bob's wicked smart. He's been around the game for 40 years. Ask him to be the commissioner of, of, of college football or the new president of the NCAA, which we actually have a really good one now. Uh, he'd turn you down in a heartbeat because it is an absolute mess out there. It is a mess out there. I think we can all agree on that. Uh, Follow-up question, though, about that situation that you just referenced with USC and UCLA. Do those sports, I mean, and maybe this is me just being naive, do those sports fly private? I mean, wouldn't they be on the no, same flights because they're on commercial flights no. anyways? Isn't that one of the whole conversations yes. surrounding conference realignment is yes. that these sports outside of football are flying commercial? So the, just the way you posed it, like them being on the same flight sounded weird. Like now we're sharing a private yes. plane, but... They could easily be on the flight. same flight from LAX on a commercial flight, right? It, it I mean, may not be. Some will be chartered. Some won't. But that's that's the degree they're having to go to, where you will have teams from different schools potentially right. Maybe flying to a region and traveling together in order to make all of this work. I mean, if that allowed you to charter flights, I actually don't see that as a negative. I guess was my surprise there a little bit. Like, I'll take that any day of the week if I'm on the track team and now I get to fly private because I'm chartering, pairing up with another school in another sport. Yeah, if it's a rivalry school, it seems weird. But in another sport, what does it matter? And if you guys just end up on the same commercial flight, then who cares? I mean, I don't. I mean, there's all sorts of schools and sports that could be on the same commercial flights. So, but... The logistics of the travel is really what this comes down to for all of these other sports and all of these other athletes. And you always say that, that it's athletic students because the athlete comes first. I would say that's certainly true in football. It ain't necessarily true in all these other sports. I mean, there's a lot of sports that I think, frankly, the student comes first and the athlete comes second. And I wonder now when it's those athletes that are looking at the landscape of where they're going to go to college, how this is going to affect things moving forward. Because if you're in football, you probably don't care right now you're following more money you're following maybe even an opportunity for a bigger brand here for your school but if you're on the track team the baseball team the basketball team it might matter more because you're looking at the scheduling and you're looking at hey now I have to schlep across the country on a Wednesday and it's a whole different thing now I have to be back at school and I got a midterm on Friday do I want to be in that situation do I want to be doing that or if I have multiple offers from multiple schools would I rather go to the one in a conference that maybe isn't quite as taxing from a geographical and logistical perspective. So there are those things that I think could affect the other sports beyond football, even though this is all about football dollars. Absolutely. I do, 
I do agree with you. And by the way, we will get back to your phone calls on this subject. Triple eight, say ESPN. I do agree with you. I thought the most interesting thing that Bob Bowlesby said to us was the thing about the Title IX implications and the financial implications if football was to split away, split away. Like you could only do it in theory, essentially like football splits away, but it doesn't really mean anything because financially they can't split away because of all the Title IX laws. And it makes sense. Of course you couldn't under the federal laws. So there only would be in theory split away. And then that stupid, why would you, why would you ever do that? So this yeah. idea of football splitting away from these other sports, like it ain't happening. Yeah, he shot down that down in a hurry. Yeah, that was the thing I took away. <laughs> and then the other thing, the other big takeaway for me, and if you miss that interview, you can always check out the podcast on the ESPN app. The other big takeaway was when he said that universities and chancellors aren't into the idea of one, you know, czar of college sports. Yeah, and that, that's, was, that was number two. And yeah. Right, and that's what I've always thought as well. Why would they relinquish that power? Like, what would be the advantage need, to them to relinquish the power thing, they right now have? Want is a completely different thing. Right. And they need it. Oh, I think we can all agree they need it. (laughs) This would look a lot less messy if there was some unifying body or if the NCAA was actually powerful like it once was. But wanting and needing are two very different things, and people never want to give up power. This is ESPN Radio. More next 